Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. We love you, Lord Jesus. We're humbled that you're in our presence. Our worship is to you and you alone. Our love is for you and you alone. Father, we need you in these days more than ever. The hunger of our hearts, the desire of our spirit on the inside is for you and you alone. Lord, we thank you for the stirrings of God, the refreshings, the revivings, the awakenings, the harvest of God. And Lord, that in these perilous times, as our heart draws closer to you, we draw closer to one another. We bear one another's burdens. We stand in faith and believe one for the other. We join together in a unity that the church has never seen before. Breaking every denominational, racial barrier the enemy would try to build in God's family. We thank you that Jesus was never one to break down a wall, but to walk right through it. And Father, I thank you that we'll join hand in hand with millions around this world in the next few months and very short years and see the culmination of an age, the ending of a dispensation, the time of times. And Father, all we can do for this wicked world and its system is to cry out for mercy. Have mercy on this earth. Have mercy on the precious souls of this earth. Guard our harvest until we're in the position you want us in to be launched into, you, into what you want us into. Strengthen that which is. Raise up that which isn't. And bring it together quickly so that your purpose can be accomplished. Your church longs for heaven. Your church longs for heaven. And we thank you, Father, that it's in our very near future. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everyone in church tonight. I invite you that can. I know many have to return for services tomorrow, but in the morning, Brother Danny Johnson will begin. Glory to God. And then uh, Brother Eddie Turner will speak to us in the second session. And tomorrow night, we're going to go out with a bang. Amen. Amen. Pastors Mark and Janet Brzee will minister to us. So that will be, praise God, however they desire to. Matthew chapter 24. I brought my big book. I like my big book. Pastor Rusty Martin Island Church. I like it because it's got these big margins. I can write all over it and stuff like that. There's not, for no, I'll tell you another reason later, but anyway. It's. So in praying over the, I've been praying over this conference for quite a while. I, conferences are unique in that it is our desire that everybody go home blessed. Amen. One of the greatest disappointments of some of the largest camp meetings and conferences I ever preached in was that later I would hear pastors and people that I knew that were there say things like, well, you know, yeah, the 
church was big, the crowd was large, the preachers were rich, but I didn't really get encouraged very much. You know, we're trying to buy a church for $400,000 and they're flying $40 million jets. Well, I know that a lot of people just didn't hear things right and some people didn't say things right. But it's always been our desire that everyone go home blessed, better than they came, encouraged, ready to do what God... And so in that, in that, uh, in that vein, I always try to pray, Lord, now who, who, who needs to speak? When do they need to speak? I go to other people's conferences. I trust that whether I'm part of it or not. I trust that's what God's doing. That's how the Spirit of God is moving. <laughs> and just, you know, sometimes God will get you up like this, make you confess things. Amen. It's always fun. But I've been a little resistant in entering into some things God's calling me into. And uh, this is part of me not being resistant. So y'all have to bear with me tonight. Amen. And I love to uh, get up. And many of you have been in other meetings that we've held around the country and things. And I, I love to, to get up and flow in the Holy Ghost and, and preach these great fiery messages about faith and the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God and share great testimonies. And it really... I don't know how to describe it. And it really kind of scares me to be prophetic. I mean, I'm not, not a fear. If you, I now understand why men like Brother Hagin and people talked about going into the prophet's ministry and how daunting it was. That's why I don't believe these people. I'm a prophet. You have no idea what it takes to step into that office and, and how God deals with your heart. I was trying to talk God into an intercessory ministry. <laughs> I raised up, you know, we've got raised up a pretty powerful little prayer team around here and some, some people that have prayed with us uh, 122 days in a row last year. You get people to do that with you, I'm telling you. It'll, I thought, Lord, man, we can just develop a great prayer team and just, you know, praise God. We'll pray in the move of God and everybody else can. Yeah, but, you know, God has other plans sometimes and you've got to, you know, your plans can sound real good, but God says, this is what I want you to do because he knows better. Amen. He does know better. And so down through the years of our ministry, from time to time, the Lord has done that to me, but he's uh, more recently, it's just been on me even more and more. So, you know, there, uh, I trust the men that I'm around to speak into my life and to help me. That's why we, we love each other and have the company that we do. Amen. So with that in mind, I, I, I began to dig and I said, okay, Lord. And he began to show me a direction, began to talk to, some th talk to uh, me about some things. And I believe by the time we finish tonight, I, I believe the Spirit of God will move and confirm this by moving by the Spirit of God and showing us this is, this is, this is, this is the direction we need to go. This is how we need to be. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, if we're not careful, we can get very confused about a lot of the information. We've never lived at a time where there's been more information on the earth and had a free flow. And you can tap into anything from things that make real good sense to a lot of craziness. And the problem is the crazy stuff is kind of taking over the, the stuff that's kind of sane and right. And let me tell you something. You're a product of what you feed on. Uh, some may say amen, others owe me, but it, it is true. You're a product of what you feed on. And the world is presenting right now a, a constant diet. And if you feed on that diet, then all of the emotion of what is going on in this day and hour is going to download into you. Right. And not only are you going to be an observer of what's going on, you're going to be a feeler of what's going on. Right. And I don't want to be a feeler. I don't want to, I don't want to experience this. 
You say, what do you mean? I don't want to experience the, I want my experience with God to lift me higher than the experience of this world. Where if somebody sees me in heaven, you know, a thousand years from now, say, oh, you lived in the last days. That must have been dark. Wars, rumors. I said, no, man, I, that might have happened. But I was in the middle of a revival that I'm telling you just swept me away. And that all may have been going on. But, you know, I was kind of busy with the things of God. And we really didn't notice it because so many people were getting saved and God was moving so powerully. Amen. Yes, it's perilous times. One translation I was reading said about that scripture, it is a time in which the people of God will find it very hard to serve him. Your effort to serve God must increase. There has to be an effort in your life. Some of you, you've made a decision to come to this conference and come to all of the meetings. Some of you have made decisions to come to prayer, to sit with us in the prayer room and learn to intercede and pray. Uh, many of you are coming to church more faithfully than you used to. You're learning to give. All of these things are very conducive to what God is fixing to do in your life to help raise you up and be the believer you're supposed to be in these last days. God is going to use us all. Some from behind the pulpit, the rest of us in the world. Amen. And we need to be used by God. Now more than ever, God is looking for hungry hearts that will say, yes, Lord. Yeah, I'll do what you're telling me to do. Go where you're telling me to go. Be who you're telling me to be. Matthew 24. Now let me say this real quick before I read the scriptures. I'm going to read verse 21. Well, let me go ahead and read verse 21. It says, then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. Man. I kind of copied one of Pastor Janet's phrases. Woohoo! <laughs> Man. Now listen, let me help you. I, I studied the Bible. This isn't talking about, you know, a time in which we're going to be here. It's not talking about... But we're going to be on the peripheral of this. You understand this? We're going to be on the peripheral of a time on this planet in which there will never be another time like it, nor has there ever been a time like it. Now you think about that. Thank God. You say, well, how do you know we're going to be here? Here's how I know. I wrote this down. Here's how I know. I've looked at the road map and I see an exit. <laughs> Amen. I've looked at the road map and I see an exit. But now, as I begin, I thought the Lord spoke that scripture. I looked at it and I begin to think about all the, you know, the prophecies we've heard, things we've thought, you know, the wars, the rumors of war, earthquakes. And uh, I guess I, I listened to Brother uh, Joe Morris's thing ever on Wednesday. And he's always very stirring about the signs of the end time and the, you know, the rapture being signless and all this type of stuff. But listen, this earth is heading toward the most daunting time this earth has ever seen. And you got to understand, everyone in the earth that is alive is a human spirit, and their spirit knows that. Their mind does not know that. They might know that emotionally or educationally, but there's something in their spirit man in which, just like in your spirit, there's some alarms going off in people right now. Yeah. Amen. There are some alarms. I mean, you can, you can look at the news. You can, but listen, this time that is coming, we're going to be on the road with those people going toward those times, and then we're going to have an exit. Amen. But you have to understand that, that that path of righteousness to that point in which that exit, exodus takes place, that is our window of opportunity to win this world. 
and to see the harvest come in and to see God move and Jesus glorified and to see the church come together into the glorious church God has called it to be. I don't know if it's going to take six months. I don't know if it's going to take two years. I don't know. But we are on, the, we're not going to get on that path. We are on that path right now. This world is heading toward that most daunting time and you got to understand we are the generation that is as closest to it that has ever lived upon the earth. Amen. Amen. So, considering, I consider just the, the men we've had here this week, Brother, Brother Eddie, Pastor Eddie Turner, Pastor Mark and Janet, uh, 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 of course, all of our wonderful pastors, Randy and Linda and Lloyd and, and all of you that pastor there in China Springs. And then we had Brother Chris Alam and we had uh, uh, Pastor Sam Carr. Now, you're, you're talking about, you add all that up, you're talking about several hundred years of ministry. And then we're just talking about our little company here. Now listen, with all of that, you think of the, 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 all of the messages that have been preached. All of the, uh, 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 both uh, Pastor Mark and Janet are prolific writers. Uh, Brother Eddie is, is coming into this uh, publishing uh, ministry that God's got him into. Brother Greg Fritz, others, the books that they're writing. Everything that is going out into this world, the Word of God has access to this planet like never before. Now you think about the volume of revelation knowledge that is on this earth. Oh my goodness, in the, in the nations of the world, in places that were so dark and without God, and literally in the last 100 years, the gospel has gone out. And now there are masses of people that are getting saved, getting born again. We see the pictures, we hear the testimonies, and God is moving in, a, in an unprecedented way around this, world, around this earth because he knows this time is coming. And coming up to that time, he knows the church has to become the church, has to become what the church is called to be. And with all of this, all of this word, now think about this, the volume of word that is out there in proportion to demonstration of that word. But God said, I watch over my word to perform it. He said, my word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that where to it is said. Amen. The Word is a performing, accomplishing force on the earth. And we could go, everybody in here tonight could get up and share testimonies on how the Word has worked in your life, how the Word has worked in your life, how the Word has worked in your life financially, physically, all the needs, things that God has blessed you with. But you've got to understand, there is a dynamic of the Word that God uses in us to get this message out, not just through proclamation, but through proclamation and demonstration. So I meditate, the Lord dropped this into my spirit. With all the confusion, manipulation, interpretation, just plain twisting of God's holy word into doctrine, religion, theology, establishing major corporate denominations, it's still the word of our almighty God. Almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, Savior, healer, filler with the Holy Ghost, signs, wonders, and miracles. It is still the word of the creator of the universe, and it is resident here on the earth like a resident pool of oil waited to be tapped into. It hangs in the atmosphere. It does. 
preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, going out over the, the Internet, the television, the radios, the books, all of that has gone on for all of these years, especially as we got on the other side of World War II and moves of God begin to take place and all that begin to happen and the Word of God begin to be published all over the world. Now, I know right now there's probably a very small percentage of people on the planet that believe like we believe when it comes to the Word of God. That it is the inerrant Word of God. Amen? Amen. Powerful. Very powerful. Can do anything. Nothing's impossible with our God. And we believe He is the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? And so in understanding that and realizing that, Sometimes we think we're just laboring in this small little field and just groups. But in reality, the whole world is literally saturated with the Word, is covered with His glory and all of His creation. And in the midst of this, 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 this demonic world system is trying to position itself into a place to stifle it. Because he knows that the only thing that can oppose that, what, that which he wants to do, his agenda upon this earth, is someone that will stand up and say no in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not thinking, I'm in no way thinking you, we're going to stop everything that's going on. Let me help you with this. <laughs> Please realize Nothing in the world system is fixable. We are not called to fix politics. We're not called to fix medical science. We're not called to fix social injustices. We're not called to do it. We are called to be the light of this world and the salt of this earth. And if you're not careful, the enemy will begin to put major distractions into the church that makes us think we got to go this way or that way or this way or that way. But our trajectory is short in the last days. We have to move toward him with all of our heart. We have to seek him with all of our heart. And we have to follow the footsteps and the pathways that he lays before us. Causes can seem very just and some of them are. And church, there are great injustices upon this earth that will never be fixed. And that, that, that shouldn't be bad news to anybody. You say, why is that? Well, because heaven's your home. Amen. There's no injustices in heaven. There's no injustices in the God. I'm, I tell you, the greatest... How can I say that, Lord? Help me say that. Yeah, the greatest ideology of equality lies right here. You want to level the playing field? Get saved. Get born again. It brings us all into family. Mm, I better not go that way. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Now, real quick, we were Matthew. Go to Romans. One of Brother Eddie's favorite scriptures, Romans chapter 12. Now, I was praying last week. The Lord spoke something to me. I shared it with Pastor Sam. The Lord spoke to me and said, you're in a fight. You know, it's one thing to not be in a fight and know it, but it's another thing to be in a fight and not know it. Hard to win that fight, amen? Now, don't get me wrong. I am as sure as my, of my redemptive realities as I can be. I confess who I am 
what I have, what, can I, what I can do in Christ, the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Word of God, the power of the prayer of agreement, the power of unity, or the power of everything that we do together. You know, the Word says that our faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yeah. And we are in a short season right here in which God is doing everything he can do through the teaching of the word of God and the inspiration of where we are in time to try to increase the power surges in the church. In which in the church, the power of God can be in such manifestation that whatever the need may be outside in the world, they can come to the church and get their need met supernaturally. Thank God for all the programs and the things that have gone on in the years past, but it's going to be hard to counsel a lot of people out of the problems that they're getting into today. They're going to need some supernatural help. When I came back to the Lord 30-something years ago, I, I didn't really need much counseling. I needed something that had some power to come into my life and deliver me from everything that had me bound. Thank God God did it. Then he trusted that his word was great enough to carry through on that which he initially did supernaturally. Same thing is true today. Now, here's, this is really weird. I, I, that's why I've always kind of wrestled with going these prophetic directions because I, uh, a lot of what they call prophetic is so goofy. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me and said, we're in a season of suspended logic. Yeah. Well, I'm not that smart. I don't even know what the word logic meant. I'd go look it up. Well, I've heard it were, you know, that, that's logical. This is logical. I watch Star Trek all the time, you know, the, the old one comes on when we eat, so we watch it. I, you know, I like, uh, what is it, live long and prosper, amen? <laughs> amen. That's better than die, you know, amen. Logic is the science that deals with the principles and criteria of validity, demonstration, and inference. It is the foundation of formal reasoning problem. God's kingdom is not built on reasoning. So I begin to pray. I said, okay, Lord, you, you said to me, we are living in a time of suspended logic. What are you trying to tell me? What does that mean? The Lord spoke to me and said, logic is the foundation for all reasoning. What is reasoning? Reasoning is the reason. Why is one and one two? Because one plus one equals two. That satisfies the intellect of man. Reasoning is that which man desires that satisfies or answers the question to the satisfaction of his intellect so he can have an emotional response about what he's just heard that's calm. That makes sense. But if you're going to serve God, the just shall live by faith. Not by reasoning. Not by logic, but the just are going to have to live by faith. So as the earth continues down this, this suspended logic, you say, what do you mean by that? Uh, have a pandemic. Fire all the health care workers. Now, I don't care about the politics of all of that and who should take what. Uh, but wait a second. Help me with that. <laughs> Before it ever happened, there was a shortage of nurses and doctors, and now we're firing all the not doctors and nurses because they won't take a, a... Wait a second. That's suspended logic. They know what they're doing. 
That's one of the problems. We haven't known what we were doing until men like Brother Eddie and others begin to teach us about the mind and its workings and, and how the enemy can get in there and twist. But the enemy's been working in the world system for 6,000 years to twist it so bad that now here we are at the end of this age and everything is perverted and twisted. The Bible showed us that in Isaiah. They'll call sweet sour. They'll call dark light. They'll call good bad. They're, they're doing it now. And when that happens, when you suspend the logic, then you try to, that's the foundation. You try to build your reasoning on that and try to understand the explanation for all of it. What begins to happen? The circuits begin to melt. The brain begins to go, oh, I can't, how's that happening? And it's happening on so many levels right now. I listened to, uh, I, uh, we went home and did some things at home. I took a little nap before I came up here. And so I'm coming home. So I just wanted to turn on the news and, and see what the weather was going to be. And they were talking about the Navy. Did y'all hear that? They're going to they're they're cleanse the Navy of all the people that, that, that don't, wanna, don't want a shot. And, but then they said this, it's going to cause our ability to respond to our enemies to be reduced by 40%. When China just, just tested a supersonic missile, that's one that goes up into space and can fly around, fly around. Now we use it. Suspended logic. So you try to reason that out and try to figure out the answer to that. Your reasoning will not work because the logic of the whole thing is suspended. They're not, it's not logical. And because the world system runs on logic and reasoning, what does that show us? It's collapsing. It's folding in on itself. He said, now, that doesn't make sense. It seemed like it would be building and becoming strong. No, no, you got to understand, the thing that runs this, the entity that runs this, wants to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. So everything he's doing on the physical level, the mental level, every level, he's trying to position it and manipulate it so he can get the maximum effort of death out of it. I'm telling you, that's what he's doing. Now, in Romans, we know this. Uh, 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 Brother Eddie just did such a great job. I love hearing him teach on this. But let's pull out verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Now, listen to Paul teaching us here by the Holy Ghost. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Passion Bible says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Yeah. Yeah. Amplified, do not be conformed to the world of this age. You mind if I wear my cool glasses? How's that? Can you get any cooler? You want to know the story on that? I went to the eye doctor when I turned 50. So I'm laying in the chair and he checks my eyes. He says, you got great eyes, 2020. He said, why, why? He says, this your first visit to me? I said, yes, sir. He said, why hadn't you been here before? I can't make my Mercedes Benz payments without you coming to see me. I said, well, I, I didn't think I needed to. He said, do you wear readers? I said, yeah, I, usually at the airport if I'm traveling, I'll pick up one of those four or five. He says, no, nah, you, 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 you need some real readers. I said, oh, okay. So I figured maybe 15 bucks or something, you know. <laughs> y'all went to him, huh? 
Y'all went to him, huh? So he wrote this little paper, and I took it downstairs to the, to, the, to the place where they do this. And so they whipped it all out and said, you know, come back tomorrow and pick them up. I came back. $550. So I break them out every once in a while. Amen. Amplified. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, to this age. Fashioned after adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new idea attitudes that you may prove for yourself what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, even the thing that is good, acceptable, and perfect in His sight for you. God has something for you in these last days. Everything that God is doing. In the spirit one time I was praying and it was like this mess of yarn. I kept seeing it. I call them these little mini, M-I-N, a little mini visions I'll get when I pray. And I kept seeing this. It was the only way that I could, only way I could describe it. It was like somebody, remember the lint you get out of the dryer? You get out, and it looked like somebody just put a bunch of it on the wall. And I didn't know what I was looking at. And I could see one little thread like hanging up here. And a hand came down and pulled that thread like this. And that, all of that lint-looking stuff went into a beautiful tapestry. And God said to me, that's what will happen in the last days right there. It'll look like it's just all a bunch of, well, that ain't, them churches ain't very big. They're not having much of an influence. But then God will pull that thing and it'll just, just almost instantaneously just become this beautiful tapestry of the move of God and the power of God in manifestation. Amen. God knows what he's doing. Yeah. But we cannot be conformed to this world. Confirmation is fitting into something already created for you. But transformation is being brought up to something higher that's been created for you. And God wants us transformed, not conformed. But see, there's so many levels of confirmation that we have to deal with because of identity, and that's where we get manipulated. Culturally, educationally, financially. Come on, church. Listen, the reason why... Brother Eddie's message on the mind is so important in this day and this hour is because this is the war that's being fought. This is the true 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. This is the true fight right now in the last days. We're going to have to keep our minds right, keep our minds on the things of God, keep our, keep our head in the Word to the point that we're drawing all of our identity totally on what God has done for us. We are new creatures. We are the righteousness of God, and we are beginning to totally get away from every other trait of identity that we can be manipulated with. That takes a constant effort on our part of studying the Word, meditating on the Word, living right, living righteously, and doing what God is saying to do. If we don't do it, what, what are you going to do if you don't do that? Mm-mm. Now go to, go to, I just got a couple more scriptures. About through my, with my introduction. <laughs> Second Corinthians. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, that you may be perfectly joined in the same mind, and in the same judgment. Passion. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity. Everybody say unity. Unity. 
unity with one another and put to rest any division, any division that attempts to tear you apart. One translation says, a united testimony. I like this other one. It says that we all be of one word. Your enemy's greatest effort is to destroy you. You have to understand it. He is a murderer. He is a, he is a fiend. Every negative adjective or adverb you could, you could put on his name, that's what he is. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play right. He doesn't stay within the guy. He, listen, he is out there and he is seeking right now to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Amen. And his design, Satan's design for the church is division. Now, first of all, understand it from the, not just the day and hour in which we live, but from the, from the beginning. The first institution of God was what? The family. See, there are two divine institutions that God puts his hand of approval upon. Number one, the family. Number two, marriage. Excuse me, family, which is marriage. And number two, the church. Everybody say family. family. Church. church. Marriage. Church. church. He wants your marriage destroyed and he wants you out of church. Now let me say that again. He wants your marriage destroyed and he wants you out of church. I've never seen a greater attack on marriage as there is right now. To not only destroy marriage in its traditional setting, which is one man and one woman. There may be a day very shortly in which if I said that in the pulpit, I could get arrested for hate speech. There's actually legislation right now in our federal government that if I were to say that and it was recorded and reported it to the federal government, I would be arrested for hate crime. Well, I don't hate someone if Joe marries Bob. Amen. I don't hate Joe or Bob or Joe Bob, whoever they are. Amen? I love them. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like how they've let an, uh, iniquity warp their mind. But I love them. I want them saved. I want them filled with the Holy Ghost. Delivered. Delivered. Amen. Amen. So the enemy, he begins to look at, at, at churches and at people like us. He hates this. He hates this. Why? Number one, racial barriers are broken. Number two, educational barriers are broken. Some of you in here have degrees and some of us are just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> one for the grace of God, amen. We'd be, we'd be making snow cones on the beach. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he's coming at families, at marriages, and he's coming at the church to try to divide... I heard, a, I heard a story, uh, actually read it in a book, about I was interested in the military structure. I've always studied the military. I was interested in the military structure. What, what, okay, you got a general, you got a colonel, you got a major. How does that all play out? You know, in a war. So I begin to study and I begin to read about how, you know, the generals and the divisions and the, and the colonels and the majors and, the, and then the captains and the first lieutenants, second lieutenants, and the, then the non-commissioned, how all of, that, all of that lines up. So they put together these, these, actually these army groups is what they were called, and they were racing across Europe. There were, there were, there were, there were four of them. 
And each of them was a different division with different assignments doing different things. Now, each, each army group would have, they would have their assault troops. They would have their, they would have their, their, they're not really the assault troops that are up on the front line, but they're just right behind them with what they call weapons, machine guns, mortars, and artillery. Then behind them you have your, your medics, your, your, your mass units, your, your, your people who are taking care of the wounded. And behind that you have the support column, which is your, your food, your, your clothes, and the ammunition and, and the supplies that you need. Four columns. Amen? So they would meet, the generals would meet together with the colonels and the majors and they would discuss their campaigns and they would discuss how they were taking, they were going through northern France and Belgium and into southern Germany and, and, and uh, western Germany and they were taking uh, towns and cities, one after another after another. Now, some of these guys were really, these guys were fighting. The Germans were really fighting back. They were, they were having battles that were going on for a couple of weeks. They were losing men. Uh, they were just, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough. And so in one staff meeting, they were all together as they began to look at the numbers. There was one army group that didn't have near the casualties, wasn't using up near the supply. They were wondering, what is going on? What, what? So they, they brought this colonel in. They began to talk to him. He said, we have a fifth column. He said, you have a fifth column? He says, yeah, when we, when we take a city, he said, we began it with the first city. He said, when we take a city, we get people from that city that no people in the next city were supposed to go, go take. Loved ones, friends, business associates. And, and we get them and we tell them, now listen, we're going to let you go to that next city. And we really don't want to destroy it. We don't want to burn it down. But we got, we got to get that other, those other soldiers out of there. We got to get the German army out of there. So they would go into the city and then start doing this. They start going around their friends and family and say, the Americans are coming. The Americans are coming. They're coming with artillery. They're, they're com- they're, listen, they're, and just words. Just not, not a bunch of, not a bunch of, amen, just words. Uh, they've got tanks. They've got artillery. They, they've got, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm from the city back there. They, they took us in three days, and I'm telling you, the Americans are coming. And they put such fear, and they divided those cities. And they put such fear in those cities that they were much easier to take because they had run a mind game on them. And you've got to see, you've got to understand, church, the enemy is trying to run some mind games on the church. And you've got to understand, we have to stick, listen to me, we have to stick with the letter of the law of our covenant. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen. As Paul taught, and he taught at a time in which there was such division. In many ways, Romans were ruling the earth. There there was all kinds of division among these nations and all this. But he understood that the work of God was so complete in Christ that it broke you free from any ethnic tie, from any geographical tie, from any other kind of tie unique to you up on this planet that identified you of something. Something broke you loose from that, which was the blood of Jesus, which identified you with a whole nother group called the family of God. Woohoo! But then here comes all this other information about, well, this is good. Now, the first one, listen, I'm just, I'm not going to go, because I could go through a bunch of, but I'm not going to go through a bunch of, I'm just going to, because you know what they are. But the first one we have to be careful with, because it deals with our health, is COVID. But it's not COVID the disease. Now, listen to me. Because I prayed about this. I said, Lord, what is it? He says, it's COVID the event. 
Now think, think about what I just said. It's not COVID, the disease. We've had disease. Lord, have mercy. We've had diseases on this earth forever. We stood, what, what, what flu was it that was supposed to devastate the area? Uh, swine flu? Remember that? How many remember that church? Swine flu and we, we all took our vaccine, our swine flu shot. No, nobody in our church got the swine flu. Nobody. Not one person. Can I get an amen from those that were here? Amen. Amen. They'll come. Listen, and this is just, this is just the test pilot. This is just the, this is just the one that's going out to see, okay, how are people going around? What can we do with it? How can we, do you think this thing haven't been manipulated? Do you think they're not using it for intimidation, manipulation, and control, which are the three tenets of the occult, which are demonic, which identified with the system that is growing and flexing its muscles upon this earth? I agree with Pastor Sam Carr. I'm not sh ever shutting my church down again. When it was shut down, sure, we had, we had great live stream. We've got great, well, we've developed all of that. But the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. And here's that little tag again. Remember we talked about that tag at the end of that scripture that Jesus spoke in Matthew, even more, uh, as, as he said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. Well, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Even more so. As you see the day approaching, what's he saying? Honey, you start seeing the day approaching. You better start getting together more and more and more. Prayer, teach the word, meetings, power of God, demonstration. You be, listen, you better start getting with it. Now listen, you do what you need to do to stay healthy and you keep it up on the level of the Word of God. Listen, I, I, take, I take vitamins. I, I listen to what we're supposed to uh, be putting into our body. I've done that all my life. I was sick when I got right with God. I'd been dope sick for years. I had to rebuild my physical body. Amen? I exercise. I take care of myself. I do the right thing. Anybody in here? I get my teeth cleaned. I take care of every part of my physical body I can do. I don't know why I said that. Everybody smile. <laughs> Amen. But we've got to recognize and realize no matter what they throw at us in the medical realm, we have a covenant with God. And as we've been confessing that scripture, I'm trying to stimulate or inspire you to take that confession. Build your own confession. Do something and begin to apply it into your life every day by speaking it and speaking it and worshiping God and speaking it and speaking it. Then the, when the symptom comes, you turn to the symptom and say, no, it is written by his stripes I'm the healed of God. We have to muster resistance against that which tries to divide us, but we can't put so much effort into that that we're coming out of the harvest to deal with issues that the world is using to try to run a mind game on us. Now, the reason I did not choose the second one, I fought with God for three weeks. I said, nope. And he spoke to me and he said this. He said, you lived a life in which you saw things and heard things, know things that a lot of people don't know. And you're going to have to talk about some of that. And I'm like, mm -mm -mm. I'm not going to do it. And he said, you're going to do it. <laughs> Let me give you a <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I was in a church. and This church had grown big and strong. 
by the power of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. And they got really inspired to begin to do some other things other than seek God for a move of God. And so they would, and it's none of my business what a church does. I was a traveling preacher. None of my business. And so they had begun some programs and they were going to do a, 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 what, some kind of bird give, turkey or chicken or something like that, give away, give away, it was turkeys, big turkey. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, a, a minister had come in with a program like that and it was trying, but the problem with it in this church was they were trading it for what they were doing when it came to seeking God for a move of God, which had built the church. None of my business. I'm minding my own business. Preaching the word of God. I think I was preaching on the glory of God or something. And I, the Holy Ghost said, now you say this. And I said, no. You ever had that happen to you, Pastor? I said, I ain't saying that. He said, you say it. I said, no. He said, you say it. I said, no. I think I said it out loud a couple of times. I said, I just, I'm walking preaching. I didn't write in the middle. I said, no. He said, you talk to God. I do. I'm stubborn. God's still working on me. Finally, he said, you say it or I'll take the anointing not only off this meeting, but off your life. I said, I'll say it. So I said, you can't trade the glory of God for a bunch of turkeys. And when I said that, the glory of God fell in that place. I was like, ooh. And you know, I went back there and preached. They didn't, you know, it was no big deal. But it was a lesson to me that when God tells you something, you better obey it. Now, let me say this. I'm horrified by what I see. Anybody that gets abused or harmed or hurt, I don't care what color they are, but there's a dynamic that most of you may not even understand. And I'm going to share it with you for the sake of you understanding that many times, although we do have just causes, the world system uses just causes to manipulate the good minds of people. Watched a man on TV die. Horrified me. Absolutely horrified me. But my first, first emotion was not that. You know what my first emotion was? Now, don't, you're going to have to listen, hear this out before you judge me. My first emotion was, thank God it wasn't me. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because it had been me three different times. You say, what do you mean? I was the man on the ground with the police officer's knee in my back, with his hand around my neck, holding me down till I passed out three different times. But here's the problem. My choice put me there. My choice put me there. And I know there is so much injustice in this world. But when the Lord began to speak to me about bringing this up, this is the angle he came. He said, do you trust the prophets that were here that you rose up under? Do you trust them? He was, he was, really, he was talking to me about Brother Hagin, and he was talking to me about David Wilkerson because I know the life David Wilkerson lived, and a lot of people were alarmed by his predictions. And then we were, had a period of time in which we were close to Dr. Roberts and things he said to us. All three of those men, through prophetic 
vision saw a race war in this country. That cannot happen while we're on this earth. Did you hear me? Yes. While the church is here, that cannot happen. One of the greatest revelations and demonstrations of the move of God in this day and hour is the breaking of racial barriers. That is God. That is the glory. We're in Galveston, Texas, church. This is where the Emancipation Proclamation was read on, what was it, April 17th, uh, whenever it was read. Listen. (laughs) Most people, listen, most people are good, honest people, and you don't know nothing about the underworld. And about what goes on in the darkness. I've been there. And let me tell you something, church. In that place, you're a dope addict. You don't care what anybody looks like. You're living that type of lifestyle. Listen, you're in the penitentiary. With black, you're white, you're Mexican, you're, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, they, they, listen, you, you, they take your freedom, they take your humanity, they take your dignity, and they don't care what color you are. They treat you like garbage, and then they kick you back out into the same system that put you in there in the first place. There's nothing just about it. There's nothing right about it. There's nothing good about it. But that's this world system in which there is a devil doing everything he can do to steal, kill, and destroy. We are called to live as new creatures, the righteousness of God. Listen, there shouldn't be a skin color. There shouldn't be a height ordinance. There shouldn't be a weight ordinance. There should be nothing about any person in the body of Christ that inhibits you in any way from the same kind of unconditional love that God himself loves you with. And we can dredge up all the injustice and all of the the things. But listen, that is what they do to try to encroach on our emotions. Amen? But I'm telling you, we've said this here at Island Church. (laughs) We've said, hey, if you're white and don't have a black friend, you need to find you a black friend. And if you're black and don't have a white friend, uh, you need to find you a white friend. And everyone needs a Mexican for a friend. I was in a conversation about that subject with somebody, and they were just, they were hammering me, talking about, and they kept using the word us and them, us and them, us and them. I said, well, the problem we have at Island Churches, we have no us and them. There's just us. We ain't got no thems here. I don't know who thems are, but we ain't got none. It's just us. One big happy family full of the Holy Ghost, loving God, doing what God says to do. Don't pull in the scabs of the world. Don't pull in the infection of the world. Listen, celebrate each other. Celebrate who you are. Celebrate your culture. Celebrate your culture. But celebrate Jesus above it all, and it'll pull us all into unity. Paul said there'd be, there'd be no division. We need to pull tighter, like that tapestry I saw, pulling tighter and tighter and tighter. Listen, if you've got any prejudice in you, you got anything like that in you, you begin to work today to purge it out of you. You do everything you can do to get that out of you. 
and then you walk in faith and you make love your number one goal, your number one. You say, well, I need faith. Well, faith worketh by love. Love is the fuel that will cause your faith to rise to a level it never has before. Don't you know this crazy world plays that on you? My God, my God, these, these men that go off to war, these soldiers that, listen, in a foxhole, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or Hispanic. You just want that guy to be able to hit the target. In the penitentiaries, it's like they find unity in the darkness of the world. Then they come up back in the world and the world says, you can't do that. Not in the church. Because we're the light. And the light of God ever ought to pull every person together. And let me tell you something. As we said earlier, Brother Allen so, so graphically illustrated to us, these people are pouring across the border. Haitians and, and, and people, they're, they're, you think these people are just coming happily thinking they're coming to Disneyland? These people are dying in the journey. I've got friends in law enforcement on the border. I cannot mention to you what's going on. I cannot tell you what's going on. It's as horrible or horrific as your mind can imagine. And it's going on constantly, day after day after day after day. Well, what, what would your church do? What would you do if a bus pulls up 50 Haitians, pour out on that parking lot? I'll tell you what we'd do. First thing we'd do is empty our pockets. Then we'd go out there and start wrapping them up if they needed blankets or clothes or food. We'd, and if we had to bring them in here and put cots down and keep them in here till we found out what we needed to do, we'd do it in a moment without even thinking about it. God rescued us. We're going to have to rescue some people. Amen? I said amen? Praise God. Let's end it on a... Is that, is that okay? Is that all right? Does that help you? Now, let's close real quick. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Actually, it's Philippians chapter 1. It's just right there before you get to chapter 2. Everybody has their own style, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. Lord, we exalt you in this place. Lord, you're so good to us. We love you. And Father, we open our lives to you to do whatever you need to do to make adjustments, keep us right and righteous. And Father, we do desire to unconditionally love one another as you have loved us. Amen. Now, I truly believe we're going out with a bang, not a whimper. Amen. Let me read the scripture. It's in verse... Uh, 27 of Philippians chapter 1. It says, only let your conversation or lifestyle, uh, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now notice, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now notice, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. I should have got an ear-deafening shout on that one. Can I read that one again? Let me try that one again. Lord have mercy. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. 
Now, we don't have some big soldier walking in with spear sword or, or AK-47. What we got is adversaries like mindsets and ideas and concepts, medical adversaries. We got all these, these demonic things that are arrayed against it. But the Bible says to what? It says, and in nothing terrified. Terror, listen, do you know what being terrified is? It's when you mix fear and panic. It's when you're already afraid, then you have an event, now you're terrified. You ever really been terrified? I mean, really terrified. You know, Eddie's telling me I got all these stories. That's my life. I'm sorry. I just always found it hard to work. That's why I rode bulls. I was, you know, too lazy to work, too nervous to steal, so. Amen. But I was, I, was, I was at a rodeo up in Henrietta, Oklahoma. And I drew this old bull, big old high horns. And the clown told, he said, listen, this bull's going to buck right down the chutes. And he's going to try to get you, they call it the dead corner. It's a, where the arena comes together and makes a, makes a square. And, and he says he likes to buck people off right there because he can, he can whip around and, and, uh, and get you real good, you know. And I'm like, oh, boy, that's good news. As you're fixing to climb over the chute and crawl down on that thing, you know. And, and so sure enough, that's exactly what he did. And I heard the buzzer, and I tried to get off toward the, toward, the, toward the fence, and I didn't get off, and I fell in that dead corner, and I'm laying there, and he's like right there with his head down. That means bad news. <laughs> so I was deep trying, to get, I was trying to get small. And a little kid, remember those little cameras? This, was in, this would have been in April of 1984. The, 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 those little cameras that had the the square thing on them, and he pushed them, they flashed. Well, he was right there on the rail, and he took a picture of that bull. And when that, when that flash flashed, when it flashed, I got over the fence. That bull hesitated for just a second. Man, I tell you, I was quick over that fence. Amen. Well, I'm telling you, laying there in that dead corner, I was terrified. I was already afraid. <laughs> and when he threw me in the corner, I panicked. Amen. And terror set in. So that's the pattern. See, God wants, to, God wants you to know. The devil wants to get you into fear. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then an event, boom, and you panic. Now you're terrified. But now notice what it says. Oh, this is, you ought to really shout over this. This is good stuff. And in nothing terrified by your adversary, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you salvation and that of God. That's God going, click. <laughs> Come on over the fence. Coast is clear. <laughs> I like it in the passion. I wrote it down. <laughs> Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ. Then when I come to see you, you'll know that you stand united in one spirit and one passion, celebrating together as conquerors in the faith. <laughs> That's unity. That's unity. Amen. Then it says this, and then you will never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition that rises up against us. For your courage will only prove as a sure sign from God of their coming destruction and that you have found a new life. Now let me, let me, let me illustrate it. That means the devil's throwing everybody in the dead corner. And we're going over the fences as proof to those that are still laying there that they're in the dead corner. 
Amen. Oh, thank God. I said, thank God. So let me close real quick. I know I've gone too long. Has this helped anybody? Number one, I've got just a couple of points. Number one, your relationship with your heavenly father must be stronger, more intimate than ever. You must be continually seeking him. Amen? Your witness, number two, your witness must possess increased effort. And after I wrote that, the Spirit of God said, no, you need another word. So I wrote fire above it. You must add some fire to your witness. Now, here's what we've always said, and I'm going to change the policy tonight. We've always said, you know, God will give you an opportunity. God, you'll run across somebody's path. God, you need to start looking for opportunities. You need to start coming across people's path. You need to start instead of waiting for an effort to come to you to lead somebody to the Lord or share your testimony or tell them about Jesus. You need to start initiating the conversations. You need to start looking for people. You need to start making a decision. I'm going to go to that person. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell this person about Jesus. You say, well, what if they reject? Then just go to the next one. You may plant, another may water, but God will give the increase. We have to go into an aggressive posture in our churches when it comes to soul winning or we're going to miss the harvest. Farmers don't sit off their kitchen table and say, well, I guess the harvest will make it on in here one day. No, there's effort. You got to go buy the diesel. You got to fuel the combine. You got to make sure it's all greased and oiled. You got to make sure you've got all you're ready to go and cut that rice, cut that corn, whatever you're called. You've got to make a decision to get out there and get active in the field. Because here's what I have found out. I've been a soul winner on every level. I love to give altar calls and see people. Go, but I've led them to the Lord in the airports, the airplanes, and a, and a surf. Sur- we, we did a funeral one time and had 53 surfers raise their hand, give their heart to Jesus. Amen. Surf shop owner died here. Asked me, he was Jewish, but they asked me to come preach the free funeral on the beach. We paddled him out, dumped out his ashes. You know the key to that? Always be downwind. Or you'll end up with your loved one in your nose. I'm sorry. I, I don't like to, that. That may horrify somebody. You know. Stay in church. Now here's one. You ready? You must clean your house. You need to clean. You need to get rid of offense, unforgiveness, bitterness. Foolishness? Ready for this one? And the secret stuff. The secret stuff. The secret stuff. Yeah. Stuff nobody else knows about. I keep myself as clean as I can. I had something happen to me just weird. My phone. I mean, I ordered some vitamins from a company. I guess they sold my phone number or something. And I started getting, I, I get this deal that someone was looking for me. Well, I should never push that button. I'm not computer literate. I don't know. I just, I figure, who are you looking for me? Well, I, I almost, threw, listen. I was fixing to go get a satellite phone and never have a cell phone again. And I actually got me one of those, those pouches, which you can, you know, Faraday pouches, which you can keep stuff like. But I brought it to, I brought it to my staff. I, brought, I said, get this off my phone. 
It horrified me. It freaked me out. Secret stuff. I'm telling you, a, 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 a picture, a sight picture can capture your imagination. And it's amazing how the imagination is a, door, is a doorway to fantasy. And the reason we're having so much mental health issues in America is because our minds are so conditioned to fantasy through Hollywood. Yes. Yes. Amen. Man, this is a good time to start a good Bible study program, read some good books. You know, just, just get away. Just get away from that stuff. Get away from all of that stuff. You say, why? Because it keeps your house dirty. Mom Goodwin told me years ago, she said, if you want a clean ministry, you need to clean your house just like you do at your house. Some of us clean our houses every day. Some of us clean our houses every week. Some of us need people to help us come in and clean our house. Amen. But you've got to be constantly on guard for anything that the enemy tries to do because he'll, listen, he constantly tries to encroach on your righteousness. And you've got to make a decision. I ain't falling for I ain't going for that. No, sir, no way. I ain't going to do it. Come on, church. Clean your temple. This one, number four. And these are the things the Spirit of God was giving me in prayer. Become very aware and disciplined in your finances. Not just us as individuals, us as churches, businesses, become very aware and become very disciplined. You say, why very aware? They're doing some crazy stuff right now with finances. The government is, companies are, listen, money's disappearing out of people's accounts, things are happening. Become very aware and become very, very disciplined in what you're doing. Budget yourself out, do that type of stuff, and begin to watch very carefully for trends and things, and then ask God, Lord, give me wisdom. It looks like I'm losing over here. It looks like I'm losing. What do I need to do? Pray and ask God for wisdom how to take care of what you have. Then take your faith and put it on just the opposite of the world. As the world decreases, we increase. The world goes into the curse, we go into the blessing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Number five, you must be obedient to the Word of God than the voice of God. Now, listen, I don't have time, and there's so many good books and things you could get, get, uh, uh, get from different people. Uh, the Brazis have some wonderful stuff on being led by the Spirit and things like that. But listen to me very carefully. The Word of God is given to us to not only teach but train us. There's a difference between teaching and training. I, I could teach you all day long. I could buy a new Labrador puppy and I could read the book Water Dog to it. And in six months, I've read the book five times. That ain't going to work. You got to train him. I said, I got to train. The Word of God is designed to train you when it comes to obedience. A lot of people are always complaining. Well, I don't, God never tells me. A pastor gets to there and talks about God tells him this, God tells him that. Other preachers think God tells you this. God never speaks to me. Why? The reason is, is you're not obeying the written word. If you will become as obedient as you can to the written word of God, it is amazing how the spirit of God will begin to speak to you and instruct you because he knows you can be trusted with the word of God. Then you can be trusted to what the spirit of God tells you. How in the world are you ever going to trust what the spirit of God tells you if you're not obeying the word? But we must go, listen, as the world has gone into what I call hypersensitivity and hyper craziness, we need to go into a place of hyper obedience. Well, that means we even obey God if he thinks he's talking to us. Hey, if we make a mistake, at least our heart's right. Amen. Last one. You must move forward. But you must move forward with joy. 
sing your song, preach your message, laugh, sing, celebrate. We're His joy and His joy is our strength. Write your book, hold your crusade, do what God's got in your heart. You say, well, the, the nations are one. Then now you're called to intercession until the nations open. We're going to pray, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go to the nations as they open. Listen, we were scheduled for five different overseas trips in 2020. Three or four different crusade, uh, uh, revival campaigns here in the state. It all got canceled. It all got shut down. So what do we do? We go back to our knees and we thank God. Thank you, Father, for a door of utterance. Just like Paul asked him to pray in the book of Ephesians, that door of utterance, how is it, how is it broke open? That's why I ask if the Ephesian church, the Ephesian church, where the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the word was preached all across Asia. Special, special miracles, aprons from his clothing, people were being healed. The battering ram of the door of utterance is the supernatural. If all we have is a doctrine without a demonstration, then we're back to religious philosophy. We're no better than anybody else. But our God saves and heals and delivers and does signs and wonders and miracles and gives joy and peace in the midst of the most adverse situations. Amen. 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 And people always say, well, the joy move is over. Well, maybe it is for you. Amen. I like joy moves. When people get refreshed by the Spirit of God and the anointing of God begins to flow in, people begin to kind of loosen up a little bit. And maybe you get a little laugh going or, or maybe a little run or a little dance or a little shout or a little expression. You begin, to, you begin to allow the life of God that is on the inside find expression on the outside. Now, just, just for a second, I'll, I'll, I'll shut the big book. There's a relevant protocol for the Spirit of God moving among people as they yield unto the Spirit to bring manifestations of refreshing and joy that strengthen the believer. If we pray the prayer in Ephesians 3, that would be strengthened by his might in our inner man. How does that strength come? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Humor and hilarity, laughter, motivated many times by comedy, is not the joy of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've been preaching some very sobering messages in different places in the world and the Holy Ghost would fall and people would start laughing and I would think, huh, huh, that's a heck of a response to this message, you know. <laughs> I went to La Peranza, Finland, Finland one time. We went, we went the first year and held a meeting in a church that was started. About 35 people came and we had a good time. The next year they leased the auditorium of the city hall. It sat about 300 and they advertised over in St. Petersburg, Russia. So we had a big crowd of people there. And those Finnish people were the most stoic people I ever saw in my life. I mean, I was up there spitting and winding and walking and, you know, and, and man, they were just like, 
You know, you've been in Europe enough to know that, amen. And I, I was thinking, man, this is some tough ground to plow, you know. And I, I hit a point or something, came back to a, a little old music stand I was using as a pulpit, and came back and stood on and looked up, and about three people just fell out under the power of God. And when they did, everybody started laughing at them. I was kind of bummed. I didn't get to lay hands on it. You don't get all the credit for all, all the mighty power and anointing of the man of God, you know. No, they just fell out on the power of God. Everybody started laughing at them. Well, when they started laughing, then other people began to fall. And they started laughing, and other people began to fall. And those people ended up, at the end of that night, shouting, dancing, running, praising God. But what was amazing is, when we gave the altar call, we had about 25 people that got saved for the first time. And then we saw a lot of people that were touched by the power of God and healing and all these things would take place. But there was, there was, there was just this little quick in the spirit. That's the only way I can describe it. It's just, a, it just happens like two. And if somebody grabs that, Mom Goodwin used to call it a flutter. You know what a flutter is? When you get that flutter. We were at her house one time and she's, they started praying in the Holy Ghost. There was a man there named Joe Jordan. So Joe reached over to lay his hands on Mom Goodwin. She said, get your hand off of me. I can't spend another night drunk as I was last night. <laughs> Amen. But one of the most insulting things you can do to an adversary is to laugh in their face. That's why the Bible says God sits in the heavens and laughs. He sits in the heavens and laughs. But in the church today, we're fighting so much depression. We're fighting so much anxiety. We're fighting all of these different mental ailments of people that are basically just have no joy and the reason they have no joy is they have no hope. The Bible says the hope that we have in these last days is the hope that purifies. Where's Brother Frank? You can go to the keyboard, Brother Frank. It's the hope that purifies. You say, what do you mean by that? It's, it's, the, it's that hope that, that, that helps. It helps us recognize and realize. We, we named this conference, Wake Up, Awaken, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up. That, that uh, Christopher Alam sent me that, that, uh, that vision that, what was it, Tommy Hicks had? Yeah. Of, the, of the sleeping giant all pinned down and all. It was, the, it was the church. But in the last days, it began to shake itself and it began to rise up. You say, what would that be like? I don't know. But I believe it's happening. That God is moving in the church. There's a, there's a, there's a shaking going on. There's, a, there's an adjusting going on. And God is literally positioning his people for great outpourings, moves of God, stirrings, refreshings, revivings. Amen? And I know we can all go back and talk about what went on back when, even as close as last night, but we're in the now. And I was spending some time in prayer in the prayer room that I went to my office, I was praying. And I said, Lord, you know, what, what do we do? How do we, how do we bring this to a conclusion? I'm going to obey you. I'm going to preach what you put in my heart. 
Trust people will hear what God's saying. And the Lord spoke to me one word. He said, needs, 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 needs. People have so many needs. They have so many needs. There's so many needs. People need healing. People need deliverance. People need, they need, they need. Then he said this, I came that, they, that their needs would be met. That their needs would be met. And you know, it is an amazing phenomenon that we have a God that has not just chosen to love us. He is love. He is love. That's a greater capacity than if I, okay, I've got a choice to love you or to hate you. I choose to love you. But if you are love, the capacity to hate is not there. So it's all pure. It's all unfiltered. It's all unadulterated. It's pure. Uh, men and, and women over the years that I've heard their, their, their descriptions of looking into the eyes of Jesus. And the best description I ever heard was my Brother Hagin. He said it was liquid pools of love. That's what his eyes were like. And he's put that love in us. And he wants to meet our needs. And he's already done everything he can do to meet them. Amen. Let's lift our hands and worship him. Praise God. We worship you, Father. We call, why don't you go back, take your praise team and go back. Praise God. Just lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. We worship you, Lord God. We glorify your name. Father, do a work in us tonight. Do a work in us tonight. Do a work in us tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name. Whew. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you've suffered with migraine headaches, if you've suffered with that, stand on your feet. Anyone at all that you've suffered with migraine headaches, I want you to lift your hands up. You that are standing, just lift them both hands up high like you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your anointing. I speak to the very source of those migraine headaches and I command you to stop in your activity against them. In the name of Jesus, I command the pain. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I curse that regularity. There's a couple of you that this has begun to happen very regularly. Father, I thank you right now. That's broken in them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallie, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ear infection. Sinus and ear infection. If that's you, stand up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How, so one of, one of you in particular, it's like you've had a sore throat for weeks. It's like you've had a sore throat for weeks. And that what it is, it's a drainage. It's coming into your 
into your throat. Lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release the anointing. Now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. To remove that. To cause that to cease and desist. To cancel its assignment against them in Jesus' name. For healing to manifest. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, you may be seated. This is... Help me, Lord. Someone in here, you have a very unusual digestive problem. I don't know if you're on treatment or anything like that, but I just see that you have a really... There are times when your appetite is very large and you'll sit down to eat a meal and you'll eat just a few bites and you're, it just nauseates you and you just really have had this, this in, your, in your entire digestion. And it's been going on for, for a while now. If that's you, stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Y'all put your, put your hands right here like this. Yeah, right like that. Right on, right on. Father, right now, I'll do that. I say, peace be still. Peace be still. Peace be still. That storm in the digestive stop, cease from operating in Jesus' name. Now, thank you, Father. An appetite fulfilled by eating. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Woo! Glory to God. Lift your hands and worship Him. Oh, we worship you, Father. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody worship Him. Somebody worship Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on and worship God. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. Oh, Ramanda Surabakasu. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to ask you to stand for this one. I, I, I'm going to just give it out, and then I'll let whoever needs to receive it. Someone, uh, I don't, I see a medical procedure that's being considered. You're thinking about a medical procedure and you're needing to know whether you know Lord do I do this do I go to this do I stand to, to be healed what should I do what should I do the spirit of the Lord says the peace will be so overwhelming that you will not question you will know exactly what to do you will know exactly what to do peace will lead you in the right path Peace will cause the right doors to open at the right time. Peace will cause you to enter into my provision and blessing for your life. And you'll have joy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Listen, it's, 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 I don't know why, whoever, whoever, whoever you are, maybe more than one or two. I had a pain in my side one time. I rebuked 
for four or five hours until finally I figured out God was telling me to go to the doctor. And thank God I did. They took my appendix out. Amen. Always seek the path of healing that God has for you. One of the most outstanding testimonies of seeking God in that direction is my brother who was diagnosed with a blood, blood cancer. Sought the Lord for the direction. Began the treatments and after a couple of treatments, he can tell the testimony much better than I, but after a couple, couple of treatments, the Lord said, you're healed. Am I right? And then I think he took another treatment and, and he never had any effects from the, from, the, from the first treatments. But after he took that treatment, after the Lord said, you're healed, like to killed him. And kind of laying in bed crying out to God, what would I do? The Lord said, you're healed. He went and picked up the phone. Told his oncologist, we're done. He gave him a, you know, you'll be dead. And that's been how long, Alan? 20 years? 20 years! Oh, come on! I said, oh, come on, 20 years ago! I'm going to end this exactly the way the Lord told me to. He said, what are you going to do? We're going to clean our temples. We're going to clean our house. He said, what does that mean? We're going to get right with God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, you know, giving an altar call. Because I answered so, so many altar calls as a kid. Lord have mercy. I remember went to kids camp when I was 12. Camp Pearl Wheat in, in Kerrville, Texas. Dave Reavers had just come back from Vietnam. His face was still in galls. Can you see that? With blood spots on it. And he'd get up and preach and give altar calls, and we would run to the altar screaming. We didn't want to go to Vietnam, get our face blown off. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth. But it was very inspirational. But this is not, this is a deep soul searching in you. As David said, Lord, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. But see, for us, sometimes we fall into patterns and motivations of things that we think, well, we know that, 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 that God, well, you know, it's kind of a gray area. Past. No, those are the areas that need to be white, that need to be cleansed, that need to be cleaned up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The Lord said this, there are some things that are considered that you need to repent for because you've just considered or thought it and you just say Lord and that's going to be your key to being free of that type of thinking is finally just saying forgive me Lord confess it unto him say forgive me Lord hey I'm a big repenter Woo! I'm a big repenter I mean I'm a big repenter I knew man they told us Jesus is coming in the clouds man on them uncloudy days I got in all kinds of trouble we had a pastor and a pastor's wife they knew things we had a little bathroom when we come in I'd go in that bathroom I'd repent I knew if God forgave me he wouldn't tell mom good one That's the truth. Found this. Quick to repent. Amen. Quick to forgive. 
quick to repent, quick to restore. Linger in that, restoration becomes more difficult. Amen? Oh, man. Mm. Whoever this is, please hear this. This is not Rusty Martin saying this. I promise you. Listen, you've waited for someone to initiate a healing. You have to initiate it. They don't know what you know. I see this big rift and this big division, but it can come back together so quickly and so easily. Just just humble yourself and, and get rid of pride and fear, and you initiate the healing. You go to them. You've waited. Well, they're wrong. No, 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 no. We're cleaning our house. We're cleaning our house. That means we can't afford to hang on to any, any, of, that, any of that stuff that's... No, we're cleaning our house. God will give you the strength and the faith to do it tonight if you're, if you're smart, if you respond. See, sometimes when we play the victim, we play into the devil's hands. Amen? I've done it many times. I've done it many times where I have initiated healing. A rift came between me and another minister. And when it first happened, I, I did everything I could do to try to fix it, and it wouldn't happen. So you know what I did? I prayed and prayed and prayed for years for him, he and his family and his wife. And then God, about four years ago, God just put on my heart to do something. And so I figured out a way to contact this individual, and I, and I made contact, and man, the response was really bad. I mean, like, really bad. And that discouraged me. And so I prayed for a couple of days, and the Lord said, this is, you, you need to, this is for you. You're doing this for your sake. You initiate this. You do this. And I had every reason to play the victim. Well, it ain't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Amen? So I prayed. I really prayed. and I actually prayed and fasted. And the Lord gave me a word, a prophecy, a word of edification, exhortation, and comfort. It was about four lines long. And I texted it. And I got a text right back. When do you want to meet? And I set up a meeting. And me and this man who had for almost 15 years, had been apart, sat for three hours, and got everything right. You have to do that. You have to do that. But they hurt me. They harmed me. They stole money from me. They did that. You've got to heal it. You've got to. We don't have time for you to wait around to recover from something that's dirty in your house. Because see, we justify that emotion. Why am I getting off on this? This has been an unusual conference. am I getting off on this? Because God's wanting us to clean the house. Clean the house. And we can always really go back to things, well, you know, well, pornography or that's sure, we all notice, but sometimes it's little things that we hold on to. Little offenses. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Big foxes eat the fruit. Little foxes dig it up and kill the root. You can't do it. You can't hold on. You say, well, well, the person that harmed me is dead. Then you just kind of have to do it by faith, but you have to release it to God. Let me, let me say this on the subject of forgiveness. This happened in a, in, a, in a prayer line by the Holy Ghost. So I don't teach it doctrinally. It was an experience. Does that help you? 
I don't build doctrine on this. This is just something that happened. But it does inspire. It does help inspire, and it is biblical. We're in a meeting, uh, and we kind of got kind of in this vein. And I gave an altar call for people to come up that were offended and hurt and needed supernatural help getting over it. So I think you were with me. You were with me. And we were going down, and we were praying for all these precious people. And I came to a lady, and she was just broken and weeping. And I, I, you know, in a situation like that, Chris, you don't know what to do. What do you say to somebody like that that's just broken and weeping? So I stood there and I kind of, I got a little routine that I do when I'm really looking into the depths of my spirit to see if God's imprinting something. And the Lord said to me, say this. And I said, you can't forgive them, can you? She says, no, I can't do it. I said, I've got your answer. I mean, just like a flash going off in my mind, I could see your answer. I said, you know, Jesus, when he hung on the cross, I said, it was his covenant people that put him up there. The priesthood that God himself had raised up became the priesthood that offered this last spotless lamb. And there he hung on the cross, beaten, exposed and naked to the world, dying. And he didn't cry out, I forgive all you guys. You don't know what you were doing. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they've done. Stephen, in the same manner, being stoned to death, Saul of Tarsus watched. He did not say, hey guys, boom, boom, I forgive forgive you. No, he didn't do it. What did he do? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Actually said like this, lay not this sin to their charge. He was saying, forgive them, Lord. Now listen. That shows us that within human capacity of emotion and your sight, there are things that happen to people. You just can't forgive people. We had a a precious woman we were ministering to that was very bitter, very broken, and very unforgiving. And she was dying. And I pleaded with her. And I said, don't you know you're dying? She said, yes. I said, don't you know if you don't forgive, you'll die? She said, yes, I know I'm going to die. And she died. She died because of, because they could not, the doctors could not diagnose her with anything. She died of bitterness and grief and unforgiveness. Died. There may be something in your life where someone has harmed you, hurt you, done something very terrible to you, and you, 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 but whenever it's dredged up, it's, you still experience the pain. You still, the trauma is still there. But our God is so loving. And our God is so good. And I know this is how you start saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know how they hurt me. They don't know how they abuse me. They don't know how they ruined my mind. They don't know. But would you please, for my sake, would you forgive them, Lord? You will be able to one day say the words, I forgive you, if you allow the Father to do it and to do it in your heart. And you can be rid of some of the things that people live with their whole lives that just eat away at their lives. Amen. I want us all to stand. And as you guys sing, sing that song softly though. I want everybody to kind of close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord. And and listen, this is a wonderful atmosphere to just do a spiritual inventory. 
just to go through your own heart. I always ask God, Lord, sift my motives, sift my desires. Lee and I spent a time in our life when God took us out of field ministry and brought us into pastoral. Listen, we had, to, we had to tell God, sift our desires, our motives. Listen, you get successful in ministry, your ambition kicks in. You want to move forward. You want to go. And then if God says, no, you stop and you do something, you, you don't understand. Very few people know what that's like. Very few people know what that's like. Amen. Sometimes it's a motive. Sometimes, you know, it's something that you want to do that may sound good or may sound spiritual, but it's not the plan of God for your life. Clean that out. Open yourself back up and say, okay, God, anything, anytime, anywhere, with anyone, these are the last days. I'm your servant. Here I am. Clean my temple. Father, right now as we pray and stand in your presence, we worship you, Heavenly Father. Lord, the desires of our heart, the motivations of our life, you said through your psalmist David that you lead us, in, lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, there's a path of righteousness as individuals, for our ministries as churches, our missionaries, our evangelists. But Father, we know there is a path of righteousness for the church. And Father, we want to be right in the middle of that path. So Father, tonight we forgive. We let go. We confess it to you. Any evil, any wickedness, anything that's secret, anything that we've held on to, unpureness, unholiness, unrighteousness, perversions, greed, stinginess, prejudice, all of the different things. Thank you, Jesus. Take your time and make your peace with God tonight. Take your time and let Him sift through you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, one last thing. Let's do this. Just for a second, Roland, then we'll sing that song and close. <clears throat> now, Peter, the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10 was moved on by God through an open vision to follow Cornelius to his house to usher in the move of the Holy Ghost to us, the Gentile nation. I always found it very amazing that in an open vision, Peter doubted. And how three times God told him, what God hath cleansed, call that now common or unclean. Amen? Now, most theologians or scholars won't say this, but if you'll study, you'll see. And if you'll study Peter from then on, you'll understand. He had a religious prejudice in him. Now, something that God's going to do, guys... Pastor Eddie, Pastor Mark, Pastor Philip, Pastor Randy. Amen. He's going to break the exclusiveness of this right here. You say, what do you mean? People drive by, they think this is exclusive. This is just us. 
He's going to break all that down and, and literally just saturate us into this world system. With the right hearts, with the right attitudes, with the right motives, the right purposes, this is going to be a soul-winning harvest outpouring of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen. But He's going to break this exclusive charismatic, Pentecostal, all this stigma that goes on is going to be broken and cleansed out and cleansed out all of the tradition we've developed, even, even some of our lingo and language is going to get cleaned up. Because I'm telling you, a lot of times just the way we talk, people come into our church and got a clue what we're saying. God's going to purge that out. Amen. So one more time, lift your hands. Father, we worship you. We glorify your name. We love you, Lord Jesus. Now as they sing this worship song one time through, just take your time and worship God and make sure you've cleansed your temple tonight. Make sure you've cleansed it out. Walk out of here feeling clean. Walk out of here feeling clean. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father God. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We glorify you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, blood. Thank you for the 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 blood. Cleansing us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. Cleanse by the blood. Cleanse by the blood. Cleanse by the blood. Cleanse by the blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Now, before we close, can I ask you to do one thing for us? And, and I'm just going to take my liberty and do this. Would you pray for me, Pastors Mark and Janet Brzee, Pastor Leah and I, and pray for Pastor Sam Carr and Miss Becky. Now, here's why. I've not, I haven't talked with Mark or Janet about this at all. We've never had a conversation on this level. Sam and I, Pastor Sam and I have mentioned it a couple of times. But there's a lot of transition that's going on in us right now in our lives. The Lord's dealing with me about a specific ministry office that He wants me in that I have been extremely resistant to even go near. I'm not going to say what that is. I don't, I don't have to tell you what that is. But it's hard. It's hard. I know what it's like to be tapped by God to bring a move of God into a nation or an area or a region that's hard to do. I know in the last few years of Brother Hagin's life, he told God there was another move that was coming that he was supposed to be a part of. He didn't want to do it and, and the men around him had to pray for him to keep him from, from just going to heaven. Am I right? Now, am I right? Is there, there's transition going on in all three of our lives. But see, the thing is, God has used us three now for about the past 15 years to maintain this move of the Spirit in this company, in this camp. But it needs to go to another level. For it to happen, we have to go to another level. And the enemy fights that. So pray for us. 
pray for us. Amen. Pray, pray that we make the crossings. Pray that we come into the giftings, the anointings of God, and pray that they're effective. The way God, the, the areas of the world that God wants us to go. I, I, we were so looking forward. We were all going to, to Manila to, to a great celebration, 40 years for 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 Pastor uh, uh, Paul and Shadi Chase, a big mega church, uh, you know, uh, thousands in the in the auditorium, millions watching by the internet. I mean, we've done it before, and, and we were robbed of all of that. Well, let me tell you something. Devil, devil doesn't rob stuff from people that God doesn't give it back uh, supernaturally and increase and bless it. Amen. This ain't our last fall harvest. Just our 19th. We're going to see it get bigger, get better. God's preparing us right now. We need a bunch of strangers in here next year. People there were like, well, who is that? Eddie Turner speaking. Who is he? I mean it. Amen. So pray for us. And what we'll do is pray for you. That how God is dealing in your life and the changes, changes and transit. Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. You love the Lord. Don't forget tomorrow morning, Brother Danny Johnson. Brother, then Brother Eddie Turner, and tomorrow night, Pastors Mark and Janet Brzee. That will be awesome. Do not miss it. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the Word of God in our hearts, not just listening ears, hearing hearts, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that you've cleansed the temple. And just like when Jesus cleansed the temple, then came the deaf, the halt, the withered, the lame, and he healed them there. Thank you for right motives, for the right heart. And thank you for the love you have for us and the love we have one for another. We claim our pretend safety, declaring no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. We love you so much, Heavenly Father, and we thank you for your tremendous mercy and grace. We love each other. Thank you for our church, for our churches, and thank you for our company. We do not take it for granted that we do life with the people that we do life with. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight here at Island Church. We boldly declare that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you.